Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Locked On Jazz for August 16th, another trip down memory lane, this time with Steve Bloom of the Salt Lake Tribune, Stockton Malone Golden Age, Jeff Hornacek trades, Jerry Sloan's coaching techniques, all of it coming up, plus the All-Star Game when Stockton and Malone were named MVPs. It's all on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. All right, I hope you're enjoying Memory Lane. Yesterday was Kirk Cragthorpe uh, talking with us about what's going on. Really appreciate him taking the time. Uh, tomorrow, uh, nothing. Thursday, Spencer Nelson will join the show and take the time with us uh, to chat about the Jazz today in their current form. So hope you enjoy that conversation next week. Frank Layden memory lane stories on Monday and Tuesday with Tony Jones on Thursday for you. So try to keep up with a lot of really good uh, content for you. I hope you appreciate that, uh, and I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, by the way, if you want to advertise on this program uh, coming up here in a little bit, the way to do that would be to email me at dlock at 9 at gmail.com. That's dlock at 9 at gmail.com. Uh, if you're interested in advertising, our audience is men between the ages of 18 and 44. So if that's the demographic that you're looking for, this is the show for you to advertise on. DLock09 at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be adding that starting in September and October, and there's still a few spots available. All right, that's the plan. Make sure you check out everything else going on in the Lockdown Podcast Network. Have you found your favorite NFL team yet? Have you listened to Matt Williamson's Lockdown NFL? Those are all available for you if you're football fan. All right, here is Steve Loom. Uh, and as I mentioned yesterday, in case you didn't hear it, so this interview was done with Steve in October of last year. We ran a feature on jazz broadcast last year called This Day in Jazz History. And so these were just the memories on days in which we played. Now I'll have to go back for this year and find other ones uh, for the schedule and look for other moments. Those were just the games where we were playing last year. So it's not every memory, but uh, Steve gave us some great ones. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this conversation with long, long time Salt Lake Tribune jazz beat writer, probably the number one historian other than Dave Fredman on the Utah Jazz. Here is Steve Loom on this edition of Locked on Jazz. But February, uh, Friday, October 30th will be the anniversary of Stockton playing his 18th season with the same team. Uh, wow. He also he played forty two minutes that night, by the way, which you're welcome to drop in there if you don't remember. But do you? I mean, just the kind of the maybe big picture about the longevity or his whole approach to this idea of one team and um, and I mean, was there ever any doubt or anything like that as you covered him for all those years? I remember once. Uh, I don't remember the exact year, but Miami was rumored to be ready to throw ten million dollars at him, and this was at a time when that was a vast, a huge amount of money. 
And so I got a, had a good enough relationship with John. I could, I could talk to him off the record uh, and find out what he was thinking. And I said, I said, John, $10 million a, a year that sets you up for life. That sets your kids up for life. Why wouldn't you even consider that? And his answer, I'll always, I'll always remember his answer. He said, Steve, how much is enough? And I think that summed up John Stockton in a, in a nutshell. That's a great story. But 2000, okay. it was against Dallas, and Carl shot 22 free throws in the second half of that game. It was a November 4th game. Sean Bradley did play in that game, if that sparks anything to you. Uh, any memory of, of that game? I actually, not, you know, not specific, but I, if that might have been the game where Nelson charged out on the floor because Malone went to the basket and put his knee right in the middle of Bradley's chest. He did his his little kick, kick the knee out and move to the basket and just destroyed Sean. And, and Don Nelson wanted a foul. And I believe Cuban had just bought the team. So Don Nelson went out to midcourt and just went crazy and got nose to nose with Malone at the free throw line. Part of it was because he was probably mad. Probably was, he was making a point to his owner, his new owner, Cuban, who probably liked that sort of thing. If that's the game, then that's what I remember about it. I think you got it. But I think, did you cover the Magic HIV game when he? Yes, yes. That, oh, absolutely. I what I remember that? that vividly. Okay, what memory do you have of that? I remember that they announced that Magic had gone home with the flu, and I don't know why, but I remember thinking that's really weird because Magic Johnson would not disappoint nineteen thousand fans even for an exhibition game, I, he must really be sick. And it, I don't know why I had that thought, but it passed through my head that, that this, this, this might be more than the flu. Obviously, I didn't know it was an HIV thing. I just thought, I wonder if he's hurt worse than, than they're letting on, because that wasn't Magic Johnson. It's to be here ready to play for a game with 19,000 people to watch him and then to bail out. Let's see. Uh, 1989, the Jazz beat the Bulls on Stockton's layup to win it. It's kind of one of those legendary Jazz games. Do you need more detail? It's the, I think that's beating the World Champs at the time, if I got it right. Or no, it's not quite World I, Champs yet, but it's the... Do you have any memory on that one? I just have memories of Stockton taking the inbounds pass, going to the end, and, and just kind of flipping up this off-balance layup that somehow spun in and at the time uh, i believe we were we were sitting fairly close to hot rod or maybe i saw the maybe i heard the call after the game but hot rod went crazy <laughs> and i thought it was one of his best calls ever and uh, it was that was that was a sign again that the jazz were getting there they they played the lakers well in the playoffs uh before that but that was a real sign that the jazz were getting there i thought Good. Uh, I'm going to go to the year 2000, and I'll pull up. I'm pulling this up with more detail if you need it. Uh, but it's November 18th, and uh, the Jazz get their second largest win ever in franchise history that night. Um, they beat the Bulls 109 to 64 in the year 2000. So that's the crappy Bulls. That's the Elton Brand, Ron Mercer, Meta World piece at that time, Ron Artest. Right. Um, and it, uh, it just, I don't know if anything sparks to you there, but Malone had 26. Jock Vaughn ended up having, the Jazz won it 109-64. It was November 18th, 2000. Anything spark there? 
I remember that because after the game, there were several people, uh, some PR people, some fans who were talking about, geez, if they would have, if they'd have taken 20 of those points and, and put them in the NBA finals, they'd have a couple of rings. I, I remember there was, there was some satisfaction, but some, some disappointment still for, that they, that they hadn't gotten over the hump in 97 and 98. Any memories of the night Carl moved into second on the all-time scoring list? Um, you know, not specifically. I, 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 I think I just thought of how many times he played hurt and how tough he was, how resilient he was, um, as, and, and just what a scoring machine he was. I remember Jerry Sloan told me one time, not specifically that night, but I asked him how long Carl Malone could play, and he said, well, the guy will be able to score until he's 50. It's just a question of how long he wants to put up with the other stuff of staying in shape and travel and everything else. But uh, uh, that, that's not a specific answer to that question, so I don't that's know fine. if it helps No, that's you. great. Any memory of the night in which Carl Malone hits Isaiah Thomas? Or Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, uh, uh, you know, it was, there was two very physical teams. It was a very physical game. Um, of course, Detroit's version was that Isaiah had, had, had not been on the Olympic team and there was bad blood there, I believe. And, and that's why the, and, and plus the fact that they had a good game out there, uh, back there. Um, I, I just, I remember Daryl Walker after it happened, running up behind Malone, hitting him in the back of the head and then running up the tunnel at the Delta center, uh, Far away from the locker room, so he had to go running around. And but I, I do remember that that it was kind of a uh, kind of a uh, counterattack by Daryl Walker. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Sloan wins his 600th game in 1996. I don't need anything specific about that game, but just having covered Jerry all the time, what's your thoughts on on the longevity and and how he was able to just just such a salt of the earth person, down to earth person. It's they're probably cliches, but he's just common sense and loyal and honest. Um, I just, I don't know that I could have covered the NBA as long as I did without covering a team coached by Sloan because his attitude toward the media and his professionalism filtered down to his players and almost without exception, they treated me uh, with respect and professionally and uh, just made my job uh possible not even easier it made it possible uh any memories of the night malone dropped 61 on milwaukee oh absolutely uh a few days before he had been uh, voted not uh, voted into the starting lineup ac green had um i i remember poor fred roberts was the defender a lot of the time and fred and fred uh, didn't have much luck against carl i also remember um, you know, the, they were not trying to run up the score. Sloan wasn't. Uh, he actually had somebody coming in for Malone uh, before he scored about his last 10 points. There was no stoppage of play to get him out of the game. And, and Carl had in the 40s or low 50s, and he scored like eight or 10 points while the guy was sitting at the scorer's table ready to check in. I do remember that. That's good. That's great. Well, couple, uh, Cragthorpe actually has the, a little bit of an urban myth on that one, that there was a game played in between. Uh, any memory on Stockton passing Magic for the assist record? Um, just that it wasn't your typical. You know, you, if Hollywood had written it, it would have been a fast break with a with a no look dish to Malone for a dunk. But it was kind of just a just a 
bounce pass that was kind of high. Malone caught it to probably shoulder level or even above, uh, turned and scored. And it wasn't assist, but it wasn't your typical Stockton assist. I, I also believe that the defender was Bisondelli, who, uh, of course, uh, had a tragic story at the at the end of his life. So whenever I see film of that, I always I always think of the poor guy who's guarding Malone on, on that uh, that historic moment. All right, let's go to one I think you will remember: 1992, February 3rd, triple overtime, Bulls and the Jazz. Oh, the the thing that stands out is a referee named Tommy Wood. Uh, called a foul on Jordan, uh, uh, probably wasn't foul. It wasn't a foul. Replay showed that it, that it, that it was not a foul, uh, and uh, the Jazz hit two big free throws. I believe Jordan got kicked out. Uh, 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 there were some technical fouls, so the Jazz won the game. But, but the biggest memory is Tommy Wood calling a crucial foul on Michael Jordan, and I'm not sure, but that may have been the last game Michael uh, Tommy Wood rest. <laughs> <laughs> You cover the All Star Game when they um, won the co MVP in '93. Yes. Yep. Any, any memories on that whole experience? Absolutely. Uh, the the Jazz were in Milwaukee on the on a, the trip uh, pre uh, All Star Game break trip. They played on Thursday night. This is kind of kind of my own personal memory, but I had to get up at 4 a.m. to catch a flight from Milwaukee to get back to Salt Lake in time for the media events that started at about 11 a.m. And uh, that was a really long day. It was also just a terrific weekend for Salt Lake to, to have the center of the basketball universe here. But but it started very early on Friday morning for me in Milwaukee. <laughs> you, you mentioned that like Salt Lake had really never been the center of the basketball universe before. You know, we were for the finals, right? But that's 93. It hadn't happened yet. How big, in retrospect, how big a deal was that? Just kind of the way the league looked at Salt Lake and the fans, and and how what our place is in the NBA today. Well, it was certainly the biggest thing since the '79 NCAA Finals, Magic and Bird up at the Huntsman Center, then the Huntsman Center. But for in, in the NBA wise, I I think again it stamped the Jazz as legit. People don't remember how they struggled in the early '80s, and just in every way with with players. And then Stockton and Malone showed it up, and they won, but. They didn't win, if you know what I mean. They won a lot of regular season games. They had a couple runs in the playoffs, but they had a series of disappointments in the playoffs in, in 89 and 91. And, and, and I thought 93 said, okay, the Jazz, they're here to stay. They're a good franchise. I thought it was recognition of, of everything they had built to that point. And, uh, of course, it took them four or five years to, to get eventually get to the finals after that. But uh, uh, I thought it was a real – Stamp of approval by David Stern in the NBA. Good team. In March of 84, so it's post-trade deadline, they win 10 straight. Um, so I don't really expect you to remember the streak, but do you have any memory of just kind of that team post-trade deadline? And really that's the first sign of this championship caliber thing floating around. I just remember the difference Hornacek made right, right off the bat. He was a little better ball handler than Jeff Malone. He could give Stockton a little bit of breather in that respect. He was Jeff Malone was a good shooter, but he was a two-point shooter. Hornacek stretched the defense and, and gave Malone even more room. Uh, again, uh, that 10-game that winning streak was, was just a, a, a flashbulb of what was to come and how good, how quickly Hornacek made 
made the Jazz after he was he was acquired in the trade. Um, I actually remember the day of the trade, uh, or a day or two after. Uh, I saw Jeff at the airport, wherever they were uh, after the trade, maybe San Antonio, and we shared a cab to the hotel. I introduced myself, and and we shared a cab to the hotel and visited. And he was so happy to be out out of Philadelphia. He was he felt like he was out of jail.